Welcome everyone to Lessons with Mike. I'm here today with my very special guest, uh, my friend Hector. Hey, how's it going everyone? Mike, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I'm really excited. So today we have a very interesting topic. Uh, Hector's really into movies. I'm really into movies. So we got together. We each have a list of the five movies we feel have the biggest influence and biggest impact on our lives. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I thought when you first brought up this topic to me, I thought I would immediately have like five right off the top of my head that I could just easily list out. Yeah. But I kind of sat down and really thought about all the movies that were kind of important in my life. I kind of really mm -hmm. had to pick and choose. You know, it wasn't like just as easily straightforward as it was just picking five films. Oh, yeah. It was a lot harder than I thought because I had the exact same experience. Uh, initially, I came up with a list of like 12 and I was like, uh, how do I narrow this down? <laughs> Well, it's funny, right? Because there are obviously a lot of movies that I watched growing up, just like you, I'm sure that, you know, mm -hmm. had a, a big part of your childhood or even had a big role in your upbringing. But you wouldn't necessarily sit there and say, you know what, that was a huge, that was hugely impactful in shaping the person that I became. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I, I know what you mean. It, it was challenging for sure. Yeah, so... I've got five and you've got five as well. So I'm going to start it off with the first one. And out of yeah, all yeah, sure. five, go, go ahead, of, kick it yeah. off. Out of all five that I've got, I'm I'm fairly confident you've seen this one or at least heard of it. It's the okay. 1988 film, The Land Before Time. Oh, I think everyone in our generation has grown up watching it. I, absolutely. I absolutely love this film. And looking back at how it's influenced me, I can look at my personality now. I love reptiles. I love turtles. And I think this film was like my first introduction to dinosaurs. I was the, the weird kid who knew how to pronounce dinosaur names in elementary school. Hey, man, that's not, that's not a weird thing. That's a that, that's a good skill to have. Yeah. And even the well, subject. You know, I, I was, I was going to say, like, not like just to kind of add on to what you were saying. Uh -huh. What kid? Well, I, I guess I would say mostly guys, but I'm sure there were a lot of girls that fit into this category, too. What kid growing up at the 90s didn't love dinosaurs? Right. That, oh, yeah. that was literally something we all grew up on. They were, and I was going back and forth between this one and Jurassic Park because I love the messaging in both films. And now that I'm older, I understand it a bit more. But in Land Before Time, the different there was like a little bit of a racism message involved as well because you have the you have Sarah and her parents are like, oh, three horns don't play with long necks, and then her and Littlefoot have to work together. Otherwise, you know they can't complete they can't get to where they need to go. And it's you have to you know put aside your differences. You have to look beyond that. You got to work together. And you know, some, something interesting that you mentioned, that's when you mentioned earlier about how you were flip-flopping between this and Jurassic Park. I'm not going to lie. Jurassic Park almost made my list too. Oh, Obviously, wow. A little bit of a spoiler. Jurassic Park's not on my list, but it was one of the films that I had to cut off last minute. But to your point, I completely agree. I think this movie has a lot of extremely great underlying messages and themes that they tackle. Obviously, most of us, when we're growing up watching it, most of it's going to fly over our head, right? We're yeah, just kind of most watching of us it. Are just like, oh, look, dinosaurs. Exactly. But yeah. it's one of those films that I feel like it's a timeless message. It's mm -hmm. one that I feel like, you know, even more nowadays with how uh, divided sometimes we may feel in our communities or even in our nation. I think it's always a good movie to just go back and watch and, you know, appreciate what else it has to offer other than just the cute dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. And there's there's over there's a lot. I could talk about it forever, but I don't want to spend the whole episode about it. <laughs> It's okay. You know what? Even if this episode ends, we'll be able to. Uh, we'll talk about it more after we stop recording. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh, you know what? I didn't know which movie I was going to bring up first, but since you brought up a 1988 film, I think I'll bring up uh, one of my personal favorite films that I actually um, 
I, I, I love this film. And it's also from the 80s. So I think that's mm-hmm. exactly why I'm going to bring this up. Mm-hmm. So one of the most influential uh, movies in my life was actually the original The Karate Kid. The one with... Oh, okay. Uh, I've seen yep. that. Uh, I, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. No, it, it's great. And the reason why it's so influential is obviously, like like we mentioned before, it's a timeless story. It's like it's an actual underdog story, right? Mm-hmm. But this actually was one of the first movies that I remember. I wouldn't say it's not... I wouldn't say it's like a retro movie, but for someone who was like a, a kid, I think I was around 12 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad kind of said, hey, let's watch this movie. He introduced me to The Karate Kid. And this is one of like the, I would say one of the older quote unquote films that I sat down and watched with my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just kind of grew on me. You know, it, it's a great story. Obviously, you see Daniel, you know, struggling to fit into his community. And then you see him working his way all the way to the end of the film. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it. He becomes the the Valley Karate Champion, right? Mm-hmm. And what's even better is the fact that, you know, we got a few sequels out of that. Uh, but have you been watching the Cobra Kai show? That's been on I Netflix have not. I hear it's really good, though. It's really, really good. Honestly, I don't say this much about a lot of, like, spinoff shows. Because, you know, we've, we've seen our fair share of, like, sequels and spinoffs that don't necessarily hit. Mm-hmm. But I think if you enjoy the Karate Kid, even if you enjoy the the sequels after, I think you would really enjoy the Cobra Kai. So if you have a chance, go watch it. I might have to look that up for sure. I remember uh, my first time watching the Karate Kid. I was with my grandma actually, and she oh. had a crush on Mr. Miyagi, and I thought that was just really funny. That that's that's really cool if that's on your list. Uh, <laughs> no, the Karate Kid is honestly giving me a lot of happy memories in my life, and it's really funny actually. Um, you know how in the movie they go to golf and stuff uh-huh. like on their, on their little date. Well, golf and stuff like the actual location is actually like a 15 minute drive from my house. Oh, so and every I, once in a while. Right? Oh, I, I've been several times every once in a while. Sometimes I'll go there. I think I went there one time on a date. Uh, I went there a couple times with friends. It's, it's always a good time. Like not only is it just a fun place to play mini golf, yeah. but it's just a nice nostalgic place for me. Cause whenever I go back there, obviously I think of the karate kid. And I just think of all the memories I have with the movie. So, for me, the Karate Kid's always got a special place in my heart. That's awesome. I love it. So now I think we're going to get into my list movies that you might not have heard of. Well, I'm, and... now I'm, I'm praying I know at least one of them so I can so, at least offer some thoughts. Well, if not, I'll, I'll describe the plot for you. So this next one's a Christmas movie, and okay. which is really weird for me because I don't like most Christmas movies. Uh, it's Annabelle's Wish. Okay, I can say I've never seen that. <laughs> okay, let me tell you, it's an animated film, right? And okay. you're going to think it's stupid, but I cry every single time I watch this movie it, hey, from when I was a kid I'm... to now. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. Hit me with Annabelle's Wish. So it's about a farm, right? And okay. this kid named Billy, he lives with his, uh, it's either his uncle or his grandpa. No, it's his grandpa. He lives with his grandpa on the farm because okay. both of his parents died in a fire. And oh, no. Yeah, it's pretty dark. So his parents died in a fire, and he's he's got PTSD to the point where he cannot speak. So, Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, on Christmas, one of the cows gives birth to another cow named Annabelle. Love and that. every Christmas, Santa comes by and he gives the animals the ability to talk, but just for one day. That's and, a, I, actually, I kind of like this. Oh yeah, you you should this watch it cool. for sure. It's so good. And do you want me to spoil how it ends? I mean, I well, I wouldn't say spoil it, but give me like a spoiler-free synopsis of like the okay. of like the of like the couple like story arcs that yeah. are in it. So, 
there's this girl that Billy meets as a kid and the two of them hang out. They become friends and they become friends with Annabelle and you know, because he lives on the farm and him being friends with this cow, Annabelle helps him get over all of his emotional trauma and oh. Annabelle's dream is to become one of Santa's reindeer. That's all she wants to do. And all the other barn animals are making fun of her saying, you can't be a reindeer, you're a cow. That's really stupid. But she really wants to do that. And oh, well, hey, this, this seems like a wholesome, uh, nice little Christmas film. And then the, the, she gets a wish. I'm not going to tell you what her wish is, but every single time I cry. You know, I just looked up this movie. I actually am intrigued about this because apparently Jerry Van Dyke uh, is the voice of Grandpa. And- oh, okay. Yeah, I, I I mean, I didn't know that Jerry Van Dyke was in this movie, so I'm I'm intrigued. Uh, Jim Barney, actually, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Ernest movies, but this was actually one of his last films before he died. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah, he he's oh. really funny, and he plays uh, he plays the the farm dog in this movie. Is this like available to stream on any of the platforms? I I think you can actually find this whole movie on YouTube. Oh, okay. I might I might just hit this up on YouTube during Christmas season then. Yeah, I mean, do it, dude. It hits me every time. <laughs> Oh, you got it. All right. Well, I mean, I can say for sure that I've never seen this movie. So, hey, you might have just added another uh, uh, bucket list movie for me to check out. But, yeah. Awesome. I, okay. I love to hear it. What's your Okay. Second? All right. So, let's see. So, let's see. Which which one of my other movies do I want to bring up? Um, be, okay. So, I feel like I don't want to bring up this film because it's this is like a super, I wouldn't say a depressing choice, but I don't want to go from wholesome christmas uh choice to depressing choice i'll save that one for a little bit later Mm -hmm. um so another movie that actually had a very very big impact on my life and this is technically a trilogy but i'm specifically referring to the very first one um Uh it's the uh amazing film from the 90s it didn't win any awards but rush hour i feel like every kid that grew up has watched rush hour have you watched it mike i have seen some of it i haven't seen the whole thing oh i've seen a little bit (laughs) Come on, Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan, that was like 90s peak comedy, you know, especially for an, an Asian guy growing up in San Francisco, just yeah. seeing Jackie Chan, our boy, on screen with Chris Tucker. That was great. Now, granted, I'm going to preface this by saying, if this movie were to come out today, probably wouldn't fly. It's not exactly the most uh, PC yeah. movie <laughs> out there, for sure. But this movie actually has a pretty uh, special place in my heart, not just because of its uh, its comedy, which actually I think the comedy from this movie... And the delivery from a lot of the actors kind of rubbed off on my own personality because I feel like a lot of the humor that I find in that movie has kind of found its place in my own personal humor. But this actually was the very first PG-13 movie I ever watched. Oh, okay. And it's funny. No, it's so growing up in my household, my parents, I wouldn't say they were like super protective, but they were protective enough to the point where I couldn't watch a PG-13 movie until I was 13. But... I watched this movie before I was 13 because I watched this at my cousin's house. Nice. I was sleeping over one time. Yep. No, it it completely worked out. I watched the movie. I thought it was hilarious. Found out a few years later that they actually had Rush Hour 2, to which I finally watched that. Eventually, Rush Hour 3 came out. Went to see that as well. But for me, uh, I really love this movie. It's still one of my guilty pleasure comedy movies. I think it's a movie that you can throw on in the background or you can watch intently with friends. You'll always get a good laugh out of it. Like I said, some of it might not be the most PC, you know, but it's a good watch. And I recommend it to you, Mike. I am sad to say, I think it very recently stopped being streamed for free on HBO Max. So I'll have to let you know where you can watch for free at some point. 
And let me tell you something else. So when it comes to uh, the PC things, you have to look at things in the context of when they were made. Like you can't hold films that were made 20 years ago to the standards of today. That's just if we did it like that, then we'd have to you know, ban everything. That's not going to work. <laughs> well, you know, and, and to, to your point, I actually do really praise streaming platforms and services for not necessarily removing films from like their old catalog from their streaming services. Now, I know a lot of them, what they do is they put the disclaimers Mm -hmm. um, before you play the movie or they put the disclaimer before the opening credits play and whatnot. I think that's very beneficial. I think doing that is much more, I I wouldn't say educational, but it's very, I I think it's very uh, nice that these studios are aware that some of the messages that were being shown or depicted were not necessarily uh it doesn't necessarily fly in today's standards Mm -hmm. but it's better than pretending it never happened yeah you can't there's this line you have to walk between do we ignore it or we do do we acknowledge it and try and learn from it and i always say acknowledging it is always better oh yeah i agree completely so you had mentioned about how your parents wouldn't let you watch uh pg-13 movies so that actually is a nice segue uh all right into one of my movies and there's no way you've heard of this i will be very surprised if you've heard of this because this is a very specific to the culture i grew up in movie okay it's called come sunday i can say i've never heard of that movie okay well let me give you a brief it's a true story okay to give you a bit of a background i grew up in a very strict pentecostal community and going to the movies we wasn't even allowed so going to a movie theater was viewed as a sinful thing you weren't supposed to do that uh, any movies with cursing, big no-nos. Uh, you just had to be very careful about the stuff you watch. Like, a lot of kids watch superhero movies. I have, like, 40 DVDs of Bible Man. Uh, uh, all I can say is it sounds like we grew up in very, very different uh, cultures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which and... makes sense, right? You you know, I grew up in the as a, a Chinese guy in the Bay Area. You grew up, you know, obviously in a... Yeah. Well, not the Bay Area. Yeah, not the Bay Area, just uh, just a regular white guy from the South. <laughs> so yeah, no, you know, just very very different upbringings. And the film comes Sunday. It's a true story. It's about one of the most well known, prominent uh, Pentecostal pastors in the entire country, who left the faith because he disagreed with some things. And it's his it's his biography basically. He's played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, and I swear I went to Google pronunciation to try and get his name right. Just so because you didn't want to butcher his name. <laughs> I know. I, I, he's one of my favorite actors. I have to get his name right. He is a fantastic actor, and actually, I'm looking up the cast list of this movie right now. It has oh, it's loaded. Lot, yeah. It has a lot of fantastic uh, actors and actresses. I don't know why I've never. To be honest, I've never heard of this movie. Yeah. And I'm not sure why, because this is very star-studded. Obviously, this was released on Netflix. I'm surprised I never came across this movie, or I never even heard about it, to be honest. I think the production company, I think the the actual person it's, that it's portraying actually was in, heavily involved in the production of the film. And growing up, this person was spoke about a lot in my culture because he was like, oh, you don't want to turn out like this guy. Uh, Carlton Pearson was, or Carlton Peterson or whatever was his name. He was like, you have to be careful, otherwise you'll end up like Carlton. And it was just, he's like a very infamous figure in the Pentecostal church. And through my own journey and my own, like figuring out where I fall in these things, this movie was very helpful for me to like come to terms with some own things about what I believe and really helping me figure out what I believe. And I, I would recommend this person that recommend this film to anyone who grew up in the Pentecostal community, because it's just, it, 
for me and for my background, I loved it. You might not because you have a different background. You might not understand some of the things, but still, I would recommend it even if you're not because it's a good film. Don't no, you know what? Don't worry. Just listening to what you just mentioned actually kind of did speak to me a little bit because I actually grew up in a, in a Christian community. I went to a Christian private school from K to eight, and from the age of I'd say four, mm-hmm. uh, I was pretty much taught all about like Bible studies. I learned about the values of Christianity. And all the way until eighth grade, right? And I just assumed, okay, this is just something that's taught to everybody. Yes, I was the exact same way. Yep. And it wasn't until I got to high school that I realized, you know, religious studies isn't necessarily a part of everyone's curriculum. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's for the majority of the U.S. It really isn't, especially Mm -hmm. not in like public schools. So I feel like me and you went through a similar journey in the sense that I had to do some soul searching for a few years and kind of come to terms with A, what is it that I truly value and believe in? And B, do I value and believe in those just because it was told to me that this is the correct thing to believe? Mm-hmm. Or is this something that I truly believe in and value because it really resonates with what I personally stand for? So mm-hmm. I had to kind of go through my own uh, personal journey as well. And granted, you know, me and you probably had slightly different journeys and religious mm-hmm. upbringings. But for the most part, you know, I, I completely felt what you were going through as you were talking about your story. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate that. And I I really do appreciate you going into a bit of your background. And hopefully uh, the next few movies that we talk about aren't so specific. But just to give you an idea of what the main topic of this, the whole reason he started uh, going against the Pentecostal church was because there was a focus on, oh, fire and brimstone, you're all going to hell. And he wanted to shift that focus into being more of a, what can we do to help people here and now? And that's how it all kind of started. I might have to give this a watch at some point. I mean, I have more free time for the next few weeks until my school resumes. So hey, if it's on Netflix, it's on I mean, Netflix. Check it out. That's that's what I'm saying. I might have to watch. I might have to watch it. I'll report back to you. Yes, please do. Okay, so let me transition to my third film. Um, you know, I guess since I don't want to end on a depressing note, I guess I'll bring up my like depressing movie choice and whatnot. Okay. So, uh, one of the movies that actually had a big influence on me and. In a way, you can say this is kind of like a religious film, but it isn't. Well, it'll make sense once you hear what the film is. So so the third movie choice that I'm actually bringing up is actually Schindler's List. Okay. And you're probably. Yes, I I would hope so. (laughs) Okay. So why is Schindler's List on my list? Why was this so impactful for me? Hector, you're not Jewish. Um, Hector, you never went to a Jewish school. Hector, you've never even been into a synagogue. You've never been put in a position where you had to really, you know, experience anything quite to the level of what they experienced. And to all of those points, correct. I've never had uh, a Jewish upbringing. I've never had to experience anything that the Jewish culture had suffered through back then personally. But this movie actually really stands out to me because, first of all, I, I think this is a fantastic film. In my, if you ask me objectively, this is probably, in my opinion, one of the three greatest films ever made. I think there is a strong argument to saying that this is one of the most culturally significant films out there. Now, oh, absolutely. Now, now here's the thing. Is this what I would consider a fun film to watch? No, no, absolutely not. It is absolutely very depressing. Not. No, it's a very depressing film. And every time you watch this film, you feel like crap. 
You know what I mean? Like every time you've seen this film, do you not feel like a, a terrible person? Do you not feel like crap? Do you not lose a lot of faith in humanity? I got to be honest with you, Hector. I've only seen it once. I can't handle a second time. Look, and, and that's what I'm saying. You, It's not like you finish the film and think, oh gosh, I can't wait to rewatch this film down the road again. No, it's a very depressing film with a very, very depressing story because it literally dives into one of the darkest chapters in human mm-hmm. history. But, but I think what's so important about this movie is, is, is two points. One, we talked about earlier about how it's much more important for us in society to acknowledge the mistakes of our past and be transparent about it and continue sharing the stories of those that might, you know, not, might not be shared. Mm-hmm. I think this film does a great job in bringing to light many of the atrocities that happened back then. Um, but more importantly, I think something that's great about this film is the way it ends it really shows you that despite the terrible atrocities that happened in the 30s and the 40s to the Jewish culture, despite all the oppression they faced, despite everything that was going wrong for them, it really shows you that even in the darkest times, there really is good out there. The, the, the small actions of, what, of one person the actions of one person really can it, have. It does make a difference. Actually. It does make, it really does make a difference. And I think that message has always stayed with me because sometimes you might be going through life and you might be wondering, is what I'm doing here really matters? Does it really affect anybody? Is this really making a difference? And mm-hmm. sure, you know what? At the end of the day, if you, one random decision you might make might not affect your life and it may not affect someone else's life, but it can. It can make a difference. It mm-hmm. can have a huge impact on community. It can have a huge impact on a family or even just one person. So I think just that message and that movie has really stood with me throughout the test of time. And I think it's really um, reminded me that, A, whatever I'm going through, it's really not that bad in the grand scheme of things. And two, the actions and the decisions I make can have a big difference on exactly. others around me. And that's and, something that I don't think will ever leave me. And, and even if you don't see the effects of your actions, it reverberates. Like It might not be something that you see yourself but you could have all sorts of positive impacts that you aren't even aware of. Even exactly. something, even something as simple as uh, smiling at someone or complimenting someone that, that might not mean anything to you. You just go on, you forget about it. You move along with your day, but that could be like the one thing that they hold on to, to get them through the day. You don't know. And you know, and th- like I said, I, I went through all this without even bringing up just how great of a film it is just from a cinematic perspective. Oh yeah. Just the character arcs, the, the arc of the major antagonist, the the things that happen in this movie. I, honestly, I can go on and on about it. I'm not going to, of course, because we're, we're that's not what this uh, podcast episode is about specifically. But I think the moral of the story is, Mike, and I think you, you can obviously uh, uh, relate to this, and I'm sure most people do. Um, there's some... I'm, I'm trying to think. You know what? What would be like the best way I can work this? Sometimes in life, things are not going to go your way. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in life, um, you're going to get a lot of curveballs, but you will always have someone there next to you to support mm-hmm. you. And you'll always have others there that will be looking out for you, even when you don't feel like there is anyone. There, even if you feel like there is no one in your corner, there is someone in your corner. Exactly. And it's important to not forget those people that are in your corner. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. I really like how you also have a film about the Holocaust on your list because my next oh. one is... <laughs> oh, great. Well, look at that. We just both have a Holocaust, uh, Holocaust and, 
it's interesting because a lot of things that you had talked about about Schindler's List or what I was going to talk about about this film. But before I, I reveal the title of it, I'm also going to say that you haven't heard of this one. This is not a very well-known film. And okay. it's funny how I found this. So backstory. There's this streaming service that no one uses. It's called Tubi TV. And you know what's funny? I, I know of that service and like everyone talks about it, but I don't use it. Like yeah, I, I, no I one uses don't. it. So the, picture this, right? Uh, so Tubi TV is like the whole thing about it is it's a free streaming service, completely free. The only catch is there's commercials. So I actually saw this movie on that streaming service, and the cast is Jeff Goldblum and Willem Dafoe. And I was like, oh. how have I never heard of this? Was this and like an indie film? I guess so. But it, I was doing some research, and it's called Adam Resurrected. Oh, and I feel like I've heard this actually in the passing, but I don't think I've ever actually seen this film. It it was a 2008 film. And get this. It was directed by the writer of Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. Go figure. Yeah. So go figure. it's, It's based on a book that was written a while ago. And for a while, it was considered impossible to turn into a movie because of the subject matter. This is one of the most depressing films I have ever seen. We just love including depressing films in our list, don't we? <laughs> we'll end on a better note, hopefully. <laughs> oh, no, no, we will, we will. But uh, so, so why was this film specifically? Why did it touch you so much? Obviously, I'm sure it had very similar messages and ways that it resonated with you as Schindler's mm-hmm. List resonated to me. What else did this movie, how, how so, else did this movie impact you personally? Are, are you familiar with uh, the book written by a Holocaust survivor, um, Man's Search for Meaning? I think think so because i've read my fair share of holocaust yeah. books i might have heard it. i might have heard of that i think i might have read it i'm not to look back into it but i think i might have a man's search for meaning was written by a holocaust survivor named victor frankel and the thesis of the book is basically a man can survive anything as long as he finds a reason to survive and this movie really shows that theme i'm not going to get into the disturbing aspects of it but the main character adam he goes through a lot of things that are very unfortunate very terrible things and he is the movie takes place about 20 years after the holocaust in a psychiatric hospital built for survivors of the holocaust okay and that whole dynamic is very interesting and so the whole movie adam is struggling with these depressions and these ptsd moments and there's a scene that I find really powerful. This isn't a spoiler, but he's having visions of the SS guard who tortured him, played by Willem Dafoe. I was going to ask, is it Willem Dafoe? Yes, and he plays that so scary. It's very convincing. I wonder if a reason why this film maybe just didn't, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say make it big, but some a reason why maybe this film isn't as widely known as some of the other Holocaust films. Is it just possible just because it's not your typical Jeff Goldblum role? Because when most people picture Jeff Goldblum, they're picturing, you know, something light, comedic, sarcastic, dry. But obviously, this is yeah. probably not his usual character. There actually is a comedic aspect because before the Holocaust, and there are some flashbacks, some flashbacks Jeff Goldblum's okay. character was a popular German comedian. Okay. And that's the only... So he has survivor's guilt big time because the only reason that... Like they send his entire family to the gas chambers, but they kept him alive as entertainment for the guards. So okay, so obviously it's not your typical yeah, story no. and 
necessarily character that he normally plays. But it is I, very yeah, dark. I can see why this is a very, very deep film. So actually, I just looked it up. You can actually stream it for free also on Amazon Prime Video. To, you know what? I'll be able to watch this for sure. Oh, definitely. But this is why I really included it as how it's really stuck with me. Because when I first watched this film uh, was a time when I was struggling with depression. And by no means have I gone through anything nearly that bad. Uh, but seeing how he was able to overcome something because he's, he's outside, he's going to kill himself. Uh, the voice of the SS commander is like, it's the only way you'll finally be rid of me. You have to do it. And then in the distance, he remembers or he hears the screams uh, of a patient in the, in the uh, treatment facility who has similar past experiences that he has. And he's like, no, this can't be the only way. So, no. And then he throws the gun into the fire and goes back and then tries to help the patient who's having the, uh, the moment. And it's just a really beautiful film. Very depressing. I've only seen it once. I can't handle it a second time, but it's very, that's, that, that's fair. You know, like, like I said, there are, there are a lot of, I'm, I'm trying to think what's the best way to put it. There are a lot of really, really culturally impactful films. And there mm -hmm. are a lot of very, very good films. And then when you have that moment, when you have a film that's both a great film that's also culturally significant, usually it blends together in a very, very beautiful manner that sometimes is very difficult to watch. Mm -hmm. And I think another reason the film didn't do as well is because of the very peculiar... Like, I don't want to get into it because I, I still... it's. It's very peculiar, but basically Jeff Goldblum's character is forced to, to live like a dog for a number of years while he's in the concentration camp. He can only bark, he can only walk on all fours, and that's how he's tortured and traumatized. And it's it's not something you see typically in media. It's also not something you would probably see Jeff Goldblum doing. So I totally understand why maybe this is not something that's talked about a lot. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can end on a happy note with what, what your last film is. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I think I still have two more. Oh, films. do you have two more? Yes, I have two more. Yes, you do have two more. I can't get yes. okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so I have so I have my fourth film, and it's a film that came out in 2019. Mm -hmm. So have you ever heard of a movie called The Farewell? I have not. It's an A24 film. Okay. Okay. So essentially... Um, without spoiling this for you, so uh, the main character of this film, Aquafina, uh, she and her parents go over to China to attend a wedding that's happening within their family. Um, and it's a big family reunion. Everyone's coming all over from around the world to reunite for this one big family event, right? And they're all staying at grandma's house. Now, the I wouldn't say the plot twist of the film is because you technically learn it on very early on in the film, but something that's very ironically dramatic is the fact that it's actually not a real wedding the real premise of the film is the fact that the matriarch of the family grandma actually has stage four cancer mm. and the wedding that's being thrown is actually uh, a fake ceremony that's just an excuse given to the entire family so that they can all congregate together and have a big family reunion without grandma knowing she has cancer because everyone in the family knows that she has cancer but grandma herself and oh wow! So yeah, no, it, it's uh, as you can probably imagine just from hearing this premise. It's a very, I wouldn't say a dramatic film, but it's it's a, it's a tense subject, of course. So, essentially, the main struggle of this film is Aquafina's character struggling with 
the idea of do I tell grandma that she has cancer or do I let her live out the last few months of her life peacefully without knowing? And one of the reasons why I love this film is the fact that this movie does a really good job in showing some of the differences between Eastern values and Western values, right? And I'm going to bring up one of my other films that I really do like, but it didn't make this list. Crazy Rich Asians. Everyone loves I've Crazy seen Rich it. Asians. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone's watched Crazy Rich Asians. Everyone loves Crazy Rich Asians. I like Crazy Rich Asians. However, something that that film, I didn't appreciate them doing. And it's something that a lot of films actually in Hollywood does when it comes to like um, showing the battle between Eastern and Asian. I mean, Eastern and Asian values versus Western values is that sometimes for the sake of the story to progress, um, there's a big confrontation and conflict between characters. And it's resolved because the figure from the Eastern society relents and says, you know what? You and your Western values are right. Everything that I believed in before is wrong. I'm willing to accept your perspective. And that doesn't necessarily always sit well with me, just in the sense that you're basically forcing this message that every value held in high standards by Western society is by default better than every value that's held in Eastern society, mm. which you know, there are, yes, there absolutely are in some instances, and also I'm sure in some instances, Eastern values might be held in a higher regard, and it's probably better anyways. But what this film does, actually, is it's able to tackle this very delicate subject that I'm sure a lot of people in your in the world, regardless of your background, can relate to. But it also does it in a way without disregarding or disvaluing any values that are brought up from the Western perspectives or the Eastern perspectives. It does a really good job in showing... Um, the the values of individualism and collectivism and it doesn't disregard these values or perspectives in any way so that's something i really appreciate uh, i'm not going to personally spoil for you how the film uh, ends or what happens to members of the family or what happens to grandma i personally really recommend it it's called the farewell and personally i just remember after the film ended all i wanted to do is give my grandparents a hug so yeah. well that's yeah. good and so personally, if you still have your grandparents alive, go give them a hug while you can. But also just watch the movie while you have a chance. Uh, uh, one out of four is still gone. And I try really hard. I try to see her every Wednesday and she makes me a delicious meal every Wednesday. And there you go. she's the best. And I hope she lives forever. Yeah. Uh, appreciate them while you can. Because when I first watched that movie, I actually was still lucky enough to have three out of four grandparents alive. And right now I still do. Um, but you know, it's not like they're getting any younger and I'm going to obviously dread the day when that number knock on wood goes down to two. So definitely treasure your grandparents, everyone, while you have them. Oh yeah, for sure. And that movie, the premise sounds very interesting. I'm definitely going to look that up. Do you know if it's streaming anywhere? It should. I, I think it actually, the last time I saw it, I watched it for free on a streaming service. Let me look up where, where you can stream it actually. Where to stream the farewell? Uh, you can actually, oh, I think. You can watch it for free on Hulu, it seems. Oh, perfect. I have Hulu. Let me see. Yeah, let me see. And it says, yeah, watch it. I think it's for free on Hulu right now. Well, perfect. I'll definitely look into that. So we've had a lot of really sad movies, a lot of sad premises. We started off with some cheerful ones, and we're going to bring it back now. We're going to conclude it. And I went back and forth on this uh, this one a lot. But I really wanted to include a movie that I left feeling really happy with. Okay. And that movie is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Fabulous choice, fabulous choice. Now, do I don't now? I mean, you you've heard my 
uh, thoughts on Marvel before. I, I don't necessarily think Guardians 2 is the best MCU movie, mm-hmm. but I, I'm never going to fault anyone for finding it enjoyable or appreciating aspects of it. And now, it's not my favorite MCU movie, but I do think it's had the most influence on me because, and, and here's why. When the movie came out, I was just getting out of high school. I think I was like 18 or 19 when it came out. And no, I might have actually still been in high school. I don't remember. It was a while ago. I think it, I think it came out in 2017. 2017? Right? Okay, that was the year after high school. And I was in that weird phase where you finish high school, but you don't know what to do. I think we've and, all been there. We've definitely yeah, all yeah. been there. <laughs> and so a little bit of my personal backstory. I did not meet my uh, biological father until I was 19. So w- that whole scene where it's like Yondu and his relationship with Peter, that left a big impact on me. Because for years, I felt as if I was the problem or if there was some something wrong with me. But there's, I'm that, sure there's a yeah. lot of guilt and trauma that comes with growing up without a parental figure oh yeah for sure and seeing that movie was a was actually like a form of therapy for me honestly because the whole notion of family is something you choose and if someone if your dad sucks it's not your fault basically right right and you know i can relate to that in the sense that so i was lucky enough to grow up with both my parents you know being around being involved with my my upbringing uh you know i have wonderful parents my mom and dad they you know they've given me all the love and support i could ever ask for they've been the best parents for me and my brothers but my parent like specifically my dad and his siblings they didn't necessarily have the best upbringing they did have both parents around however um, my dad's side of the family had a very very um difficult upbringing because my grandparents on my dad's side were actually in an arranged marriage mm. and it was actually a loveless arranged marriage. So it was very, very difficult, not just for my grandma, but for my dad and her siblings and, you know, their siblings as well. Uh, it was always fractured in some sense. Sometimes uh, dad would be off doing his own thing. Sometimes he uh, wasn't the best dad. Sometimes grandma, for the survival of the family, had to focus on maintaining a family business and working jobs in order to make sure, you know, don't starve to death yeah so it just wasn't necessarily a very happy upbringing so just listening to your story about how having a fractured family but being able to find closure through a film uh did relate to me in a sense because my dad told me that one of the nice things that he appreciated during his childhood was um the restaurant that my grandma actually had when they came over to the states was actually right next to a movie theater. Oh, nice. And so they became very good friends with the owner of that movie theater. So uh, whenever my dad wanted to go watch films, the owner would just let him through the back door and just go into like the projection rooms, and he could just watch as much movies as he wanted from the projection rooms. So he was able to find a lot of comfort uh, through films as well. And it's not like he was able to, you know, you know, repair all the, yeah. the trauma and pain from having a fractured childhood through the parents, you know, conflicting with one another but he was able to find comfort through that and you know i am glad you were able to find that in a way as well yeah yeah for sure and i just really love that movie i know a lot of people like the first one more but i've always really resonated with the second one a lot more and i think that's the whole point of movies i mean there's a place for movies that are like realistic to show you the the dark side of the world like schindler's list or or the adam resurrected film 
But I think there's also a place for movies that you go to to escape how bad the world is. Because if all you do is focus on how bad everything is, you're going to end up being really miserable. Something that I always like to bring up is the fact that a lot of times when you're watching a movie, the story that's being depicted may not be real. Or even if it's depicting a real story, mm-hmm. you're obviously watching like a movie. Yeah. Right? It's something that's a story that's being told. And in that sense, it might not necessarily be real. But the emotions you're feeling, the messages that they're providing you, uh, the the messages that stay with you for your life, those are very, very real. So although in a sense, a lot of the message, a lot of the movies that you're consuming aren't necessarily quote unquote real, the lessons you take away with are. And oh, that's yeah, something that no one can take away from you. 100%. All right. You ready for the final one? Yes. So you know what? Don't, don't worry. This is going to end on a happy note. We got to end on a happy note. I'm going to start, right. start this film with a story. Okay? okay. Okay. So, Mike, I'm sure you know, but for a lot of people that, you know, have never, you know, a lot of your listeners who've never met me, of course, uh, Mike knows that I am a huge fan of Taylor Swift. Yeah, yes, I have a huge too. Swifty. I have a huge Swifty, and uh, a lot of my friends naturally are also big Swifties. So I'm gonna bring up my friend Janelle. Janelle and I were very, very excited to see the movie Cats in 2019 when it came out, <laughs> primarily and only because Taylor Swift was in the film. Yeah, so we were all excited. We we got we we heard maybe like a week or two before it came out into theaters that it was starting to get some bad reviews and it wasn't that great. But we were like, you know what? It's fine. We're not going there to enjoy a film anyways. We're going there just to watch and support Taylor Swift. So we get in there. We got our Taylor Swift sweaters on. And I got my backpack full of alcohol in there. Because, you know, as one does, we kind of sneak into theaters to watch, you know, movies with alcohol. Because why not? If you're not drunk, how can you enjoy Cats? Well, funny you say that. Because as the movie started, uh, Janelle and I realized that we actually uh, grabbed the wrong bag. And the alcohol is all in the car. So, oh, no. so yeah, we had to watch that movie sober. And let me tell you, I don't badmouth a lot of movies, but Cats is a terrible movie. And it got a lot worse because we were sober. But And you know what? It was – I've never done this in my life. I've never walked out of a movie theater in my life. I, I always try to find some way to appreciate the films in a certain manner and at least kind of enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. This movie, literally within 10 minutes – I wanted to walk out of the theater. Oh. Janelle and I, we both almost walked out. But literally, we t- the only reason we stayed, we literally said, you know what? We're going to stay. We're going to watch this for Taylor Swift. We're just do it for Taylor. Watch- We're do- we literally looked at each other several times throughout the movie and said, do it for Taylor. And lo and behold, her character doesn't appear until 20 minutes left in the film. So oh, we no. literally sat through the whole movie <laughs> waiting for her to appear. And every time we thought she was going to appear, she never appeared. So she finally appeared in the end. She sang a song. I mean, her, her, her singing is great. I'm never going to deny the singing is great. But literally, the song ends. I think she has a few lines here and there in like that at portion of the film. And that's it. And literally, I the, the credits rolled up. And I realized I was so happy because it meant the film was finally <laughs> over. It was so bad that Janelle and I looked at each other and agreed that even Taylor could not save the film. So... <laughs> Thank you, Taylor Swift, not for just providing me with some of the greatest music and themes that I've ever had a chance to experience with my ears. You've also played a part in providing me with the absolute worst film that I've ever watched in my life. Now, I'm not going to blame you for the way that movie flopped. 
Um, a lot of other people is at fault for that, okay? But to this day, I have refused to ever rewatch that film. I don't want to think about that film. I'm pissed I had to experience that film sober. Every time the topic of cats comes up, I get furious. Mike, now granted, was this necessarily the film that I pictured myself talking about today? Not really. But as I was making my list of movies that had an impact, cats kept coming into my head. And I, I, I had to talk about it. And uh, I... I you, you know you know what let, let, slight tangent mike as you know i have a film podcast i can't tell you the number of times that people have requested that melanie and i do an episode talking about cats i have a question a review. yes what's up i think you and melanie should do an episode about cats i go no <laughs> i'm i am i am never coming back on your podcast ever again no but literally anytime People would, we would like every once in a while post in our stories, hey friends, does anyone have any episode suggestions for us that you'd like us to go over? At least one or two people will message us saying, why don't you do a review on cats? And I, I vowed myself after I left that theater, I would never watch that movie ever again. And uh, it's, as you hear, I am riled up just talking about cats. For anyone who has never watched cats, if you just don't do it, you it's not worth do, it. It is, it is not worth it. It, it, it is terrible. It, 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 you know what? Put yourself through a stretch rack, okay? And that experience is less painful than what this movie will provide for you. Just, just don't do it. it. You will be all the worse for it after watching that movie. I, so, yeah, this has definitely impacted you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has not impacted me to say that it's, it's you know, resonated and shaped my personality but it definitely uh impacted me for all the negative ways you can imagine well that 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 is ending on a positive note <laughs> yeah in, in a way uh i guess the here's whole moral the positive. story yeah here's the positive uh the moral of the story the, well yeah the positive is a none of you will ever have to watch cats ever again i'm never gonna watch cats ever again and this is exactly this you know what i think the best way i can sum this movie up in one sentence is Cats solidified my stance as a dog person. And that's all I can say. Oh, man. Fortunately, I have never seen Cats. Yeah, uh, don't do it, Mike. Don't do it. When uh, when it was announced Taylor Swift was going to be in it, I thought about it. And then I was just like, wait a minute. I'll just listen to her song. You know what? I will say, like I said, the credits was the best part of the film. Not just because it meant the film was over, but she was singing. And that wasn't that bad. It was actually pretty good. That does make things better. It it didn't help the, with the pain that I experienced with the last two hours, but it was a fine song. I appreciated it. Hector, it's all over now. You never have to experience that again. I certainly hope not. <laughs> well, listen, this was really fun. I really enjoyed talking about the uh, these movies and how they've influenced us. Yeah, thanks I would for love to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I appreciate this. I, you know, if you ever bring me back on, I'll come back on for any reason other than watching cats. But I'm very glad that you brought me on for this, Mike. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being here. You, we had a great conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I'd love to have you back on. We'll just, uh, we'll do that for sure. I'll come up with a topic. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. Or you know what? I, I told you yesterday, right, that I was listening to one of your uh, episodes regarding like, am I the assholes? Oh, yeah. hey, if you if you ever have another episode about that, because I am uh, quite the redditor myself, so I trust oh, yeah. me, I am on that subreddit as well. So if you ever have another episode regarding that, bring me back on. I'd be more than happy to 
listen into the scenarios and provide my thoughts on those. Or honestly, anything regarding films, have me on as well. I'm more than happy to join. Let's do it. We'll do an asshole episode with me, you, and I think they work better with three people because I with three people at least. So we'll do me, you, and someone else. We'll figure out who later. Exactly. But you know what? I'm more than happy to do it. Mike, I appreciate you bringing me on. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much to everyone who's listened. Thank you again to Hector. And if you like the podcast, be sure to give it a five-star review. Uh, share it with your friends. And yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Wait, can I, can I actually, I want to say one thing. Oh, Hector has one final thought. What is it? Yeah. Mike. Yes. Thank you for this lesson. Oh, ha, ha, ha. yes. This was a great lesson with me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. You have a good one. Bye.